Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Fun Belt Podcast. You know, it's basketball season. Basketball season's coming up. I think the exhibition games are just about over, and we're now we're, we're headed into the real meat of, or the uh, the real start of the season. Am I right about this, Dusty? Has ULM played their exhibitions games yet? Are they done? Yeah, I mean, w- there were the exhibition games, all the non-D1 games. Uh, you know, in, in the world of NASCAR, the engines are started, and and they're about to drop the green flag. So we're we're definitely ready to uh, rock and roll for this basketball season. Yeah, definitely. You know, Arkansas State, they had one, they had one exhibition game. They played uh, something called, uh, what was it, Blue? Blue Mountain uh, State. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, one by six points. So it made me, made me a little bit nervous. But uh, I think we're ready to go for the season. I think we start off with Harding. But uh, for the past, past few weeks, we at the Fun Belt Podcast have been inviting coaches onto the show to get us sort of acclimated and ready for the Sunbelt basketball season because I don't know about you Dusty but I feel like this is going to be one of the best Sunbelt basketball seasons that we've had in a very long time and tonight we've got a very special guest we've got a coach Cliff Ellis from Coastal Carolina whose team went I believe nine and five in Sunbelt play last year they're maybe the best showing that they've had in the Sunbelt this year coach Ellis thanks for coming on to the show Sure. Good to be with you. So, Coach, you were definitely one of the hot teams last year, 12-1 and one at home. Obviously, you had the great talent but lost a key guy yeah. uh, in Devontae Jones. What all is coming back this year that, that gives you the hope that you can really sustain that success of 12-1 and one at home? Well, I think that, uh, that we've got some people. We've still got three starters. Uh, Ibrahim Adiba is one, and uh, Isam Mustafa is another. Garrett Green is a third. Uh, and we've added transfers ourselves from the transfer portal. Uh, we're an experienced team. That's, I call it an experienced, inexperienced team. We've got three starters back. We've got three guys that have played Division One basketball, uh, but uh, they haven't played together. So, you know, that gives us hope. And, uh, we know it's a tough league, and and it, it, it's anybody's game, any time out. Pick seventh in the preseason poll. Do you feel that's kind of fair of where your team uh, should kind of start the year, or do you think you should have been a little bit higher? I, I don't pay any attention to preseason <laughs> polls. Most of the time, those – I mean, I pay no attention to it. has no factor on what goes on. Yeah, I'm, I have I'm no idea. you said that. <laughs> I have no idea what Coastal Carolina was preseason ranked last year, but there were a surprise in 2020-21, uh, the crazy COVID year. Why was uh, Coastal Carolina so h- tough to play at home? Well, you know, I, I, first of all, I think it was a good team. Uh, 
we had the player of the year in our conference on our team. And, you know, that says a lot, uh, but, uh, you know, it was different last year. Uh, mm. I don't, I don't know the COVID year. There were no fans. It was, it's probably hard for anybody to get up when they played on the road. A lot of times, you know, because yeah. it, it didn't have fans. Well, I see that Mustafa's coming back. You had mentioned he was coming back. He was placed on the uh, on one of the Sun Belt All Conference teams coming in. Is Mustafa your your team leader, or who do you feel like are going to be the guys that really lift Coastal Carolina this year? Well, I think our leaders are those guys that are coming back: uh, Ibrahim Diva, uh, Mustafa, and Garrett Green. I think those guys they're the starters back. I think they're the guys that lead. Coach, looking over your schedule this year, by the way, uh, if you need somebody to go on the road with you, I'm more than happy to go to the Bahamas tournament uh, with you. <laughs> yeah, if you need some assistance, we could we could we could jump in. We're all there, but you're playing a pretty regional schedule. Was that done more of, uh, as just to bring more attention to your program, or to help with the recruitment, or or what was kind of the, how did that schedule kind of get put together? Well, there's a lot of great teams in our area. Uh, I mean, you take. Uh, the teams that we're playing, there's a lot of postseason play. Wofford as a team that's been in the NCAA tournament, made some noise uh, in the last few years. You've got uh, South Carolina uh, out of the SEC. They were in the final four, what, three or four years ago. Uh, Winthrop has been somewhat of a rival over the years uh, in their perennial NCAA tournament team. Uh, Mercer another good basketball team that uh, has made noise over the last few years. These are teams within our region that I think brings in a fan, gives your fans uh, something to look forward to uh, out, out of conference play. And, uh, you know, we got North Carolina, Wilmington, which is up the coast, Middle Tennessee out of conference USA. Uh, so it, it's a really, really good schedule non-conference wise. And, uh, we're going to be playing. We open up in the in the Bahamas with Valpo, who uh, is a good team. Abilene Christians in our bracket. They beat Texas last year in the NCAA. Uh, so we've really got some good teams to look forward to playing. Coach, you were talking a little bit about some of your out of conference teams. Uh, we've been talking a little bit amongst ourselves about the Sun Belt and and how it it, it seems to be gelling as a pretty good conference. Especially this year, a lot of transfer guys come, or not transfer guys, I'm sorry, a lot of COVID guys coming back for us another year, a lot of experience coming back on the court. How do you see the Sunbelt uh, East shaping up this year? Who do you think are going to be the guys that are going to be tough to play? Well, you know, Appalachian State won it, won the tournament. Georgia State was, I think, Georgia State's a very talented, talented team. I really, I really like their team. South Alabama has really, uh, they've been the transfer portal king, so to speak. They've taken tons of players from that. So, you know, from that aspect of, I think, I think that every team is tough, but you have to say that those teams are teams that you got to watch. We didn't play the West last year per se till we got the tournament, but just based on what I've seen on paper, it looks like uh, Louisiana, has uh, really got some players, some players back, but they really got some people out of the transfer portal. Uh, and uh, Arkansas State 
uh, has some players back that are supposed to be pretty good. Uh, but I don't know. We didn't see the West last year. I'm not, I'm not as comfortable saying how that would turn out other than it just looks like Louisiana on the other side seems to be what I would call a favorite. How weird was that, Coach? I mean, that must have been really strange to be kind of confined to one division of the uh, conference until the Sunbelt tournament came, and then suddenly you had a whole other half of the conference coming in. How strange was that COVID year? Really strange. I mean, we set an NCAA record. We beat a team five times in a <laughs> So, you know, that, I mean, how often does that happen? When have you ever heard of anybody beating a team five times in a season? Who was that, that team? I can't remember. Huh? Who was that team? Well, I, it was Troy, and I'm not picking Troy. <laughs> I'm not picking them. We played them four times in the regular season and played them in the tournament. Oh, Scott Cross is going to want his Scott revenge. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, Scott, Scott's a very good basketball coach. But keep in mind, we were a real good team. But the, the point was how strange was the season. Yeah. When you're playing people four times, that's strange. You know, that's strange. And I'm sure there were a lot of teams that, that beat somebody four times, which is unheard of. But I don't know of anybody that has ever beaten a team in NCAA history five times in a season. Yeah, that's like sounds like something that would happen like in 1910 or something crazy like that. I don't, you only have I, three, four or five programs to play. Yeah, yeah, could be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I was talking to uh, Coach Pilato at Arkansas State, and he wanted me to share something with you. I asked him, so Coach, who is the who's the guy that's most who you like the most in the Sun Belt? And he said right away, "Oh, it's Cliff, Cliff Ellis. I like him. He's awesome." So. I just wanted to let you know that you have a big fan at Arkansas State. Well, Mike was in the Big South back in years past, and, you know, he's done a good job. I think he's got a good team. I do. I appreciate that. That's very kind. Coach, obviously the big talk this offseason has been around mostly football-driven conference realignment. Is that anything that you kind of pay attention to or, or give your – opinion to, to your athletic director, presidents of, of supporting or disapproving of any schools? Well, uh, you know, I've been asked my opinion, but it's definitely driven by football. The conference realignment is driven by football. It's not just Sunbelt, but the SEC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, all these leagues that's driven by, you know, you can always follow the money and, uh, you know, television contracts bring money to schools. It's driven by that, and uh, there's no question that the Sun Belt expansion uh, is, is driven by football, too, because you're trying to get the television rights. But when you look at what's been added in, I know, uh, you know, from our perspective, my goodness alive, adding Marshall, Old Dominion, uh, these schools, I mean, what a football league it is, but also what a heck of a basketball league, too. Uh, yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, it, I really think the Sun Belt, and I was, I was in that group. I, I helped start the Sun Belt in 1976 when the Sun came into play. I was at the University of South Alabama as its basketball coach, and there was about eight to twelve of us that put up, put our heads together. Ads. There was no football, but 
we started the Sun Belt uh, back in 76. And I'm, I'm very proud of what has transpired uh, uh, through the years. But the way that I see the Sun Belt now with what's progressed, it is, is passing the Conference USA if in the group of five. And the group of five, I'm going to say the Sun Belt is going to be the strongest league outside of the Power Five based on these additions. That's my opinion. Coach, which as you makes, said, you, which, you, which, which, which makes it strong. Now, you know, we've been a one bid league. Okay. Let, let's face it. We've yeah. been a one. And, you know, we've got to get more teams because there's too many good teams. But I think this opens the door to get two, three, four teams in uh, because the league is going to be good. Uh, but it's hard. Uh, it's, it's hard when you're a one bid league competing with 12 teams to try to beat 11 other teams. When I was at Auburn and Clemson, uh, went to the NCAA, uh, several times at both institutions, never won the conference championship. It wasn't a one bid league where you play 500 basketball and you go to the NCAA tournament, not true in our league, but I think that's fixing to change because basketball. It is very good. It is very, very good basketball. You know, you were talking about, you know, the NCAA tournament and how hard it is to get in there. And I know the Sun Belt for the last couple of years have, have worked really hard to try to get that best team to end up making it into the into the into the uh, the field of 68, I guess what it is now. Uh, and for <laughs> for all, all 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 as hard as it's tried, it doesn't seem to be working all the time, or not nearly enough. Do you think that the Sun Belt tournament can do anything to to change that? Is there anything that the Sun Belt can do more than what it's doing now to get that best team into the NCAA tournament? Well, I think there's a lot of factors there. Number one is scheduling, but you got to get the power five teams to play and the power power five teams want to play themselves. They want to play intersectional. So uh, if you do get a power five team, for the most part, you're going to have to play them at their place. And so if you play them at their place, the odds are that they're going to win. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's important that uh, uh, you keep working committees, you keep working uh, to try to improve the schedule as best you possibly can. Uh, but the power five controls everything. I mean, that's just the way that it is. And, uh, you've got to find a way to try to, the best way to get in there is, is to be able to play those teams and be able to beat those teams. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, but I think our conference is trying to do everything that they can to, to, uh, make sure that, 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 our teams get a shot at that, but it, it, it's hard. It's just like in football, Coastal Carolina right now is in the top 25, lost one game. But if they if they went out and App State wins out, they're not even going to play for the conference championship. Yeah. And so big bowl like the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowls, things like that are out. Now, I think you almost have to win out in situations like, but they just no, there's no room for error. And that's, that's tough because it's a, it's a dead gum, good football team. And, uh, 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 I mean, there's two guys, there's a quarterback and a, and a wide receiver that's going to play in the NFL. And, you know, people, people like the Cinderella stories. They like to see Boise state back in the day. I use that in football 
going and taking down in Oklahoma. They like to see uh, uh, a, a Butler in the NCAA tournament. Fans like to see that, but you know, you've got to let these teams in to be able to do that. And I, I, I would like to see the NCAA tournament just hooked up and let everybody in, just play it, let, 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 let play it, you know, seed it, however you want to do, but give everybody a shot. And that way it takes all of it out. All you'd have to do is play one more weekend, you know, and there'd be a lot of money. I think television can make a lot of money. You just, you just add another weekend, you uh-huh. know, add another weekend and play it. And then the next weekend you you're back to the 64, 68, whatever it was and cut some regular seat, cut, cut a week of the regular season out and let everybody play. I'd, I'd rather see all three twenty four go. And then that way you have the three twenty four over one upset eventually happen. Did, yeah. The did cliff Ellis just recommend a 300 plus tournament because I am a thousand percent behind that. Well, that would just you, be, that would blow my mind. It just, just well, for the gambling purposes alone, it would be exciting. Well, if you had 300, let's say 300, whatever it is, three, how many, 320, what? How many? I think there? it's 324 is the last count. 24. After the first night, there'd be 162. And then after the second night, you'd be down to 80. So, you know, one, one week, one weekend. And then if you want to see the top to, get it down to 68, seed the top 25, however you want to do that, but let them, let, let them play. Let just have one weekend, cut one week of the regular season out, started a week earlier and let's play. My Damn, mind I is Cliff totally Ellis. blown by this idea. It's totally blown. Well, <laughs> I not, it. well, I've said, I'd say cut the conference tournaments out, you know, cut the conference tournament, uh, you know. But then we don't get a trip to Pensacola coach. Well, you'll sit in that ice hockey arena too. <laughs> but, yeah, Coach but, but is, is already wants to cut the tournament. No, and he's already sitting on the beach in Myrtle Beach. So he's yeah, like, Pensacola. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying cut the conference tournament out because that does bring money. It's financial deal. <laughs> it, it does. But my suggestion is cut one week, cut, push the season back one week even if it means non less non-conference game or what, and just have one more weekend and play, play it and let everybody in. I mean, why not? That's the fairest way to crown an NCAA champion instead of, instead of letting the seventh place team out of these power five, seventh and eighth place team go. Who wants to see the eighth seed from the PAC 12 or the SEC? I mean, they don't go that far anyway. I mean, shoot, um, you know, that's Scott Cross just got replaced as my favorite coach. I mean, Coach Ellis, you're, <laughs> yeah. your tops for me. I feel what? like I feel like we're getting wisdom from on high on this. Oh my God, this is a great idea. I'm going to start pumping that on my my own website, the 327 game tournament, because that would be an awesome spectacle. And and honestly, you're right, Coach Ellis. Probably the most fair way to do it. I mean, you you spend the entire season working for your seed. It would probably you know, compel other better teams to start playing, you know, uh, getting getting a little bit more parity amongst the other uh, other conferences. So I love it. Let's do it. Well, it lets Cinderella come to the dance if she's there. You know. <laughs> yeah. At least get the right Cinderella out there. That would yeah. be. Perfect. I mean, everybody gets a chance, and and hey, seed the 
you know, seed the top, whatever, but all you got to do is play one weekend and, and, you know, you got everybody's in, everybody plays, every fan base is encouraged, boom, 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 boom. And you play it out and there you go. Coach, so I'd like to go ahead. If, if we do that, Coach, where is the Final Four a static place, or does it revolve around to different different locations? Well, I mean, you don't do it any different than, than what you did before. I mean, all you're doing is playing one weekend uh, before you keep it just like it is. Have people bid. It's a money deal, so whoever bids it out is going to get it anyway. You just find, you just, uh, uh, you know, you just find find weekends where you can get those teams to play. Coach, I want to shift gears just a little bit, talk a little bit about recruiting. Uh, uh, I, you know, uh, Coastal Carolina sort of jumped onto the scene of the baseball school, won that national championship. And then a few seasons later has become a, a football school with its, uh, you know, AP top 25 designations. And, and last year uh, had very nice seedings in the, uh, in the, in the uh, playoff. Uh, final uh, poll for there. So are those successes from those sports areas helping the basketball team recruit at all? Or does that doesn't play, does that play a factor at all? Well, I think it plays a factor, but I'll, I'll say this before that, and I'll enlighten you with some information with regards to it. Before that, before all that happened, here's what you got to realize about what Coastal Carolina basketball has done. Uh, we played LSU. Uh, we played LSU. We beat them twice. That's in your state. Beat them at LSU. Beat them at our place. We played Auburn at their place. We beat them. We beat Clemson twice. That's out of the ACC. We set the record for winning and giving Bob Huggins the most points ever scored at the University of West Virginia. We beat Utah. Uh, so there were a lot of things that were done that's helped. And I think, I think the whole nine yards of it. The other thing is Dustin Johnson uh, it, it played his uh, golf at Coastal Carolina. So I think it's the whole realm of, I think it's the whole realm of athletic. Right now, football is helping us. Baseball helped us. Basketball has helped. Dustin Johnson has helped to name Coastal Carolina has gotten its name through athletics and it's the front porch. It, uh, athletics is your front porch. And that's just the way that it is in coastal Carolina athletics. The, the, the administration is committed to it. And, uh, it's, uh, it's where it, it's where it is because of vision from administrators. But I think all of our sports have made a difference. By the way, if you yell, let's go shots at, Dustin Johnson, he looks at you like, how do you know about the shots? <laughs> well, he, it, it gets his attention. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a big fan. Definitely. So coach, we, we, we kind of wrap up with this. You mentioned that you helped start the Sunbelt conference back in 76. You've been around coaching 48 years. How have you seen the game kind of evolve and change in your time? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I will, I will start first of all, back in the day, there wasn't a three point shot. The shorts were a lot shorter. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you, it, whoever had the big man, uh, I mean, when I started, 
you know, one of my first about one of my first games was was against the school in your state called Centenary, and they had a guy by the name of Robert Parrish, and they were in the top twenty-five in the country. They were a very good basketball team, and I think my second game as a collegiate coach, they beat us fourteen at South Alabama, and one of the biggest upsets that that my teams have ever had was going back to Centenary and Shreveport and beating them at the buzzer. Uh, but it was a big man's game. If you had a Robert Parrish, you were going to win, you know, because you didn't have a three-point shot, throw it inside, throw it inside, throw it inside, throw it inside. That in uniforms, you know, it was Chuck Taylor tennis shoes, okay? You don't – that it's now a fashion shoe. You know, you <laughs> wear Chuck Taylor Converse, but that's what you played in. And then uh, – uh, the game went to the three-point shot, and it went to a shot clock. There was 45 seconds, so you couldn't hold the ball. Back in the early days, Dean Smith, other coaches, there'd be nine to two basketball games. Well, the shot clock changed that. Thank the God. The three-point, that's right, three-point shot changed that. And then, you know, uh, you, you, now you've got – the, the next change has been what's happened recently. Now you've got the transfer portal and you've got the NIL. Uh, so all of these progressions have happened. Uh, what I've seen that's made the most significant factor since the early 70s is uh, television coming onto the scene. And, you know, you can sit at home and watch about any basketball game that you want to watch. Yeah. And, it's taken the fan element out of it, but, you know, again, going back to following the money. So it's become an international sport. It's grown in its popularity. It's changed, but the changes have been good. Well, coach Ellis, we wish you the best of luck this season. We can't thank you enough for taking time out here as you get ready to tip off the season. Looking forward to it. Uh, you know, we're, we're hoping we can see you down in Pensacola and uh, cheer on some shots when they're not playing our respective schools. But who knows if our if, if, if you are the hot team, we, we might uh, jump on the bandwagon there with you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Well, good luck, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thanks Coach, Coach. Ellis.